0: Hello there, you are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. Let's we'll set the scene for us a little bit this morning. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, it'll be on the big screen behind me. It says this, This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. The towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. We even saw giants there. Why don't we pray? Father, I pray this morning that Lord, you would open eyes. Lord, you would open ears. Lord, to what you have to say. Not me, not even my words, but your words, Lord. I pray you'd find open hearts here in this house this morning, in this this service, Lord, that there'd be people listening, hearing what you would say to us. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for this body of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know this is a special church, don't you? There isn't many churches like this. In fact, I want to say this is a very individually unique church. You know you're a part of something really special. Yeah. I hope you know that. I hope you know that what God's doing here in the lives of people gathered in this building, in our leadership, in our vision, it's actually, it's actually really unique. It's really awesome. Yeah. I pray that you don't just... Come on a Sunday and think, oh, I'll just get through this and then go home. Please the, please the family and do what we have to do. I pray you come expectant yeah, yeah, yeah. to church. Gathering with the saints, I pray you come expectant. The title of my message this morning, if you are a note taker, if you are a word scribbler, if you are someone who goes over their notes later, if you want to know how to get this stuck in your head, today's message title is The Boy and the Mountain. Ooh, the Boy and the Mountain and the mountain. It'll become clear as we go, don't worry. The boy and the mountain. I don't know about you, as we get a little bit further into this story, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story about myself and my son Flynn as we climbed Mount Warning in New South Wales. Have you ever been to Mount Warning, anyone? It's right on the border, right there behind Tweed Heads, and Barway Way, is Mount Warning. But kind of like Flynn, I wonder if any of us, as you'll see, have ever faced something in life that you felt was a little bit impossible? Because certainly for Flynn, when we set out that morning, that climb up Mount Warning certainly felt a little bit impossible. Probably everyone's felt like something was impossible at one time, especially when you're kids, right? When you're a child, there's a whole load of things. Cast your mind back. For some, it's closer than others. Sorry, Stu. I looked straight at you when I said that. I don't want to make you feel old. But maybe, maybe you can remember what it's like being a kid. Things seem impossible when you're a child, like finishing your dinner. Seems impossible, right? Oh. Especially when it's your least favorite food. My least favorite food growing up, what seemed impossible to get through was fried liver. Whole generation's like, what? A whole other generation's like, yep. Liver? Mmm. I didn't like liver, if my mum's ever going to listen to this. Why? Why liver? I need therapy. Sitting through maths on a Friday afternoon, the last period of the day, sitting through maths, that one last hour seemed impossible. English is the worst. Maybe it's English for you. I don't know. (laughs) Or making it through another Sunday afternoon visiting the grandparents. (laughs) Wow. Touching a nerve this morning. I haven't even started here. Or what about sizing up the homemade ramp that's been made out of some bricks and a piece of wood, wondering if you'll make it on your bike. This seems impossible. Or being lost during hide-and-seek. That's pretty sad, pretty impossible. Or wishing really hard you got that toy for Christmas. Seems impossible. Oh, I wonder if I'll get it. I I wonder if I'll get that thing. It seems so impossible. But then you become an adult. After seeming like things are so impossible, you become an adult, things shift, they change. Time shortens, perspective changes. Sitting through maths now seems like a breeze. If only, we could, if only that was the hardest thing, right? Sitting through maths on a Friday afternoon, if only that was as hard as it got. Or realising we weren't just really lost, or the food wasn't that bad. Except it was. Because it was liver. It's all just a shift in how we perceive things. How we see things has changed. The little things like that, they might not stress us out now. Hopefully, we're not losing sleep about that newest bike ramp that we've set up in the yard. Hopefully, we're not wondering about whether we'll like the dinner we'll make tonight. And that's hopefully something that we're going to be looking at this morning, an encouragement to you that when we're facing some of those impossible things, that there's, there's motivation and courage to push on, to push through. It might just be a shift in your perception. It might just be how you see things. In fact, the shift in how you see the challenge ahead might be just as important as overcoming the challenge itself. Maybe coming up to the end of the year, as we were just reminded, 12 weeks left to the end of the year. Then we're into 2024. Right. Maybe we're we're facing some impossible things. In the next 12 weeks, maybe there's something that you're looking at that seems like it's totally out of reach. Maybe it's a health challenge. Maybe it's something that you know you can't afford. Certainly the things might be different from when you were a child. It's how the the problems now are different. They just seem bigger. Maybe those giants ahead of us like mounting debt or shifting relationships or bills to pay or an indifferent husband or a passionless marriage or rebellious children or a dead-end job or previous church hurt or a broken heart or damaging addictions. We're all faced with giants, seemingly impossible things to pull off. Kind of like these Israelites we just read about. You're looking at the potential of what's ahead. You can see what's in the future. Indeed, there is a land flowing with milk and honey. It definitely has potential. But like we just read there in verse 28, The people living there are powerful, they said, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The promise was obscured by giants. Sure, Moses, yes, we can see the promise. We can see what's ahead, but I also see giants. I also see the problem. I also see the issue. I also see how difficult this is going to be. I pray you're listening this morning. We're going to be talking through this journey Flynn and I take up the mountainside. I pray you don't just tune out and pretend that you've already heard this story before. I want you to listen. I want you to listen to this story because this start, this, this, this story that Flynn and I go on happened a few years ago. We're not talking like yesterday, although I did climb Mount Coolum yesterday. Has anybody climbed Mount Coolum? That's only 200 meters. Small fry. Small fry. It didn't feel like small fry going up the hill. We were very exhausted. 200 meters. Mount Warnings, 1,200 meters. Wow. For his 10th birthday, I decided to take Flynn on a, like a rite of passage. We're going to climb this mountain. It's your 10th birthday on retrospect. He was quite small. Maybe we would should have waited a couple of years. But we did it on his 10th birthday. I'm like, this is the moment. We're going to mark this. We're going to encourage you to do something big and great with your life. Let's climb this mountain. We're going to get up to the top. And how impossible it seemed to him. As we're driving on the highway, I don't know whether you know the M1 that goes south past Mount Warning, if you've ever gone south at all on the M1, you can look right as you're going south and see Mount Warning in the distance, this looming old volcano. It's the middle of an extinct volcano. Bet you didn't know that. Impossible to Flynn, it just seemed so big. He even asked me, can't we just drive up it? (laughs) No. No can't just drive up Mount Warning. I have to describe how good it will be. It's gonna be amazing. I, unbeknownst to him a couple of years ago, years before that, had climbed it at sunrise. It's the most easterly point in Australia. The sun hits Mount Warning before it hits everywhere else in Australia. So something magical about standing on the top getting the fresh sun as it comes up over the horizon. You have to leave home at like two o'clock in the morning to be there for three, to climb for two hours, to get there for five. You have to be committed. I had already done this. I didn't make him do that. All I said was, we've got to get to the top. I had seen the top. He's only got my word for it, but he agrees on my promise and comes with me. I pray you're listening this morning. We'll come back to Flynn, we'll describe this mountain journey a little bit more, but I want to give you more context to these Israelites, these people that have just escaped 400 years of slavery. They've miraculously been delivered from the Red Sea, from the hands of an army, and they're poised to take on this new land, a promised land that's theirs. They're on the brink of something amazing. They're about to step into something they've never had before. I wonder how many of us know what that feels like to look ahead and know there's something out there for us, something special, something incredible, something promised, we know the potential would be amazing, but we also see giants. And then we can swing into well-worn pathways, can't we, of thinking and feeling, a predictable track on our in our heads, just like the Israelites struggled, so can we. Let's come back to Flynn quickly. We're getting ready. We're getting up relatively early. It's not the crack of... Before dawn, it's sort of getting ready in the dark because we need to leave at about seven o'clock. I want to be up there around nine o'clock. So, you know, we're getting ready at home. We're putting on the boots. I'd even bought him brand new boots for this very thing. In retrospect, that was a bad decision as well because there were so many blisters, but it gets bigger. <laughs> Driving there, it seems more impossible on the horizon. That's what happens when you get closer to a mountain. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not just a thing off in the distance. It gets larger and larger and larger and harder. Here's the start of the walk, I've got a photo for you. Here's a photo, this is Flynn, a few years back, isn't he cute? He's a teenager now, not quite as cute. Here he is, cute, 10 year old, 10 year old, ready with shiny new boots on. That's at the very bottom of the walk. Looks optimistic, doesn't he? Uh Looks full of life, looks full of promise and potential. This is gonna be great, Dad. Except he wasn't saying that, he was saying things like, are you sure? He was saying, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 10 years old, Dad. We just drove here. That's a huge mountain. How, how are we going to get up here? And then we start walking. You set off on the track. The track at this point is very, very, very easy. It's almost like a boardwalk. There's little bridges, little handrails. It's really easy to do, like nice nice path. Hey, just going for a walk. This is fine. We, we had a stick. This is simple. The, the boots aren't rubbing yet. And then as you get a little bit further on, as you might know, it kind of basically just zigzags its way all the way up the mountain. So you get a little bit further and it starts getting steeper. Just a a little bit steeper. And then Flynn starts to say things like, why do I have to do this? Why did you make me do this? I've gone on bushwalks before. We're like half an hour in now. So we're a little way into the climb. Half an hour in, he's thinking, this is a long walk. Why, why, why did you make me do this? You know I'm 10, right? This seems impossible, Dad. I don't think I can do this. Are you listening? Yeah. I'm not sure I can manage this. Him not wanting to carry on. And then we get a little bit higher. Here's the next photo. There's another photo. There we are, a little bit higher up. It's pretty special around here around there. This is the rainforest, and you can just see right in the middle there, you can just see the distance. So we're getting a little bit higher. You can just see the view starting to take shape. It's getting a little bit higher. So here's Flynn, also doubting this whole concept of hiking. I'm not a hiker, Dad. You might be fine, but I'm not a hiker. This isn't for me. What about, this is dangerous. I could easily fall off this mountain. What about this one? Did you pack enough water? Are we getting lost? This definitely looks like the wrong way. As we're climbing, can you hear him talking how this happens inside his head? But then what do I have to say? Me reassuring him one step at a time. We'll get there, Flynn, just one step at a time. Just around the next bend. Then we'll keep climbing. One foot in front of the other. I also said things like this. I've done this before. I know what's ahead. I know the way. Just trust me. I pray you're listening this morning. Are you hearing what this conversation is between the boy and his father? The boy who doesn't actually know why he's doing it. Maybe he knows that it might be good, but he's doubting the whole concept. All he can see is the mountain in front of him and all he's got is his father saying, Come on. You can do this. And then he has a change along the way. He's not focusing on the bad. His perspective changes. This is actually kind of fun, says Flynn. Look at that bird, says Flynn. Wow! Look at the view. I can just see out the corner of that tree. I can just see. You hear how his perspective starts changing on this journey? It goes from, I think I'm getting lost. I don't think you really know what's going on here to, wow, check this out. He's not even at the top. We're only an hour in. But he's starting to change his perspective. Skip back a few thousand years to the Israelites, and there's a group of 12 spies. They've been sent into the land to spy on what was going to happen for them in the promised land. They've just come out of the wilderness. They're about to take on something incredible, and they send 12 spies into the land. 10 of them start spreading rumors about how impossible it is. How hard it would be. How small they were. Taller and taller tales of how impossible and cruel this mission ahead of them was. All but two of them. See, the other two out of the 12 saw things differently. They were famously Joshua and Caleb. They saw things differently from the start. Their perception of the whole thing was radically different. They had another view, another way of seeing things. What's this opening statement from Caleb? In verse 30, it says, But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. We can certainly conquer it. What a statement. It's so full of faith and assurance. It's so inspiring. It's so not how we feel sometimes. Maybe just me. Maybe you're full of faith every day you wake up. But maybe that's not how we feel sometimes. Sometimes that's the opposite It's easier to identify with the other 10 spies with the more realistic appraisal, the more realistic statement. But it's in those times, in those moments when when instead of well-worn paths to negativity and doubt and fear, we have a choice to rise to the challenge, to rise to the mountain and see God move, to see God come through, to see us conquer, to see us climb a little higher. So here's some super practical things on the way. On the climb on the conquest to help us see things differently, to shift our perception of things, here's a few practical things to check, to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and help, to help reveal it to us. So here's number one, a practical thing for you to check on your way up in this climb of life. Here's the first one is check your perspective. The right perception of a situation is often a question of perspective. The way we see things is often directly linked to where we see them from. The spies all spent the same amount of time in the land, saw all the same things, and even brought back the same bounty. But the perception of their possible victory was drastically different. The difference was Joshua and Caleb's perspective. They saw things from God's point of view. Here's verse 9. It says, Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. That's a pretty impressive statement. Ultimately, that's the end game. That's the journey God has us on for us to see things from his perspective, not from our own, not from a place we find ourselves, but the place that he is in. Really, the question then is, where are we seeing things from? Do we see things from a place of victory, of assurance and peace, a place of wholeness? Or do we see things from a place of bitterness or a place of hurt? or disappointment, or a place of lack, or past experience. Or maybe we even see things from someone else's point of view, from a parent, or a friend, or a group that you're a part of on Facebook. We can get stuck in a certain mentality, or rooted in faulty understanding. It can end up polluting everything we do and everything we see. Like the slavery in the veins of the Israelites, it defined everything they did. Now, from my perspective, this is impossible. From my perspective, this isn't doable. So see, from my perspective, where I see things from, the problem's too big. It's too scary. I wonder what slave thinking runs in our veins. God wouldn't do that for me. This will never change. It never shifted for my parents. Why would it for me? They'll end up hurting me like everyone else has. I'm better off isolating myself to stay safe. My family's so broken... I'm bound to make the same mistakes. I can't come clean about this. It'll ruin me. I'm too far gone. Or are we looking to something with new possibilities, new ideas, new energy, the God perspective? Seeing things from the perspective of his word. Are we positive? Are we faith-filled? Are we hope-filled? It takes a conscious shift from the old thinking to the new thinking. So much of scripture is dedicated to renewing the mind of man to align with with God's thinking. So much in scripture we see people who are often out of sync with God. Stories of the ordinary and broken coming into line with who God called them to be. Abraham the obscure is called to start a new nation. Moses the fugitive stutterer is told he'll lead a new nation. Gideon the coward is told he's a mighty man while he's hiding in a winepress. Naomi the bitter is called to fruitfulness. David the nobody is anointed king. Elijah the depressed is called to anoint the next generation. Jonah the rebellious. Mary the teenager. Matthew the tax collector. Peter the betrayer. Thomas the doubtful. Saul the executor. It's Saul, now Paul, who writes this famous passage in Romans 12. It says this in verse 1. While he's in prison, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is, the, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person right. by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. We're transformed into a new person by the way we think. We come into line with his vision, his thoughts, his plans, his future, his heart. If only we see things the way he does. Let's go back to Flynn. I think we've got another picture here of Flynn This is a little bit higher up. You can tell we're kind of much further up the mountain here. You can see further off into the distance, see the ridge line there. I don't actually know what direction that is. It looks kind of looking south to me. But that's a little bit higher up the mountain. You can sense the shift in perception with Flynn. It's actually kind of palpable now. He's sort of saying things like this now. Wow, I'm getting higher. This is probably the highest I've ever been in my life. He'd never been in a plane at that point. So this truly was the highest Flynn had ever been. I wonder what it's like at the top. I can imagine, just picture it, what that view is going to be like when I get there. Thanks for bringing me, Dad. You hear what's, what's going on in his mind now? We've, we've shifted. There's been a shift. We're also meeting people who have already ascended, coming down the mountain, encouraging us on the way. What do they say to us? Just keep going. They say things like "You're not far now," or they say things like "It's an amazing view; it's so worth it." Are you listening this morning? The contrast between the start at the la- between the start and the last section—he's saying things like, "Let's do it, Dad! I can't wait to tell Mum about this. This is so cool." Here's the last. Here's picture number four, nearly at the last view. We get to this section. If you've ever climbed Mount Warning, this is at the very end. So you've done a big zigzag all the way up, and then right at the very end, you get this section. It's steep, and it's rocky, and there's a chain you have to hold on to. But instead of Flynn saying, I'm definitely going to fall off this, or hold on to me, Dad, I I don't think I'm going to make it, the the excitement for what's ahead, he is now full of hope for getting to the top. He's now saying those sorts of things like, this is going to be the best thing ever. Just hold, just make sure I'm good. Have you got me, dad? I'm going to go. Here I go. And we start that last little bit of the climb. Things are at their hardest when you're closest to the end. But with the summit in mind, we pressed on. His attitude changes as we near the top. Sounds a bit like Joshua and Caleb. Get me to the top. Joshua and Caleb were summit chasers. Joshua was always found as far up the mountain as he could get behind Moses. Caleb asked for a mountain when he was 80 years old. They were different to the rest. Number two, we'll skip through these pretty quick. Number two, check your attitude. It says in Numbers 14, 24, it says, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. I'll bring him into the land he explored. His attitude, his heart made him stand out. It wasn't his prowess, his skills, or his strength, or his strategic thinking, or his bank account, his network of friends. It wasn't his size of his house, or how good his education was, whether he had a jet ski parked in his garage, whether he was going on holiday somewhere special. It was his attitude. His heart set him apart. There's a famous saying, isn't there? Ships don't sink because of the water around them, but because of the water that gets into them. The boat is designed to be around water. The problem isn't the water, but where the water ends up. It's a great metaphor for our lives as Christians. It becomes a continual, conscious choice to keep our vessels in floating order. Clean the hull, check for holes, maintain the rudder. It's an easy metaphor to use. Sometimes it takes time in harbour to run tests and run checks. Sometimes you have to declutter the ship from becoming too heavy. Are we too laden to float, too weighed down to be effective? We're on a constant mission to stay afloat and trim the sails and set the course, always asking, what are we consuming? What are we digesting? What are we letting consume us? What are we allowing too much authority in our lives? Proverbs chapter 4 says this in verse 20, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those that find them and healing to the whole body. Guard your heart above all else. It determines the what? The course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the course or stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Guard the inner man. Guard your inner dialogue. Guard your inner world. Guard your heart from what you say to yourself about what's going on around you. Guard yourself from what others project onto you. Guard yourself from what might happen. Guard yourself from others' experiences. Guard yourself from roots of bitterness and hurt. Lastly, here's the last one. Check your opinion. A good attitude makes a big difference, and it's often centered around our opinions, the way we see things, the place internally from which we see them. Naturally, our opinion dictates our attitude. If we've got a good opinion towards something or someone, you generally have a good attitude towards it. If you have a negative opinion about something or someone, generally, it's a bad attitude. Here's the 10 spies again on their opinion of the giant's. Numbers 13, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. What do they say? Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Amazing magic powers that they had to read the giants' minds. The statement, most of that statement is conjecture. They're jumping to conclusions based on their opinion of the circumstances. They felt like grasshoppers. It's clear they had a really no leg- a low and negative opinion of themselves. They just considered themselves as grasshoppers. Not just slightly smaller. If they're giants, they're already small. You don't need to go all the way down to grasshopper. Like, I'm already smaller than a giant. You don't need to make that comparison unless there's something to be said about exactly how, feel you- how small you feel. They were doubly damning themselves unwilling to take what God had said about it being theirs to conquer, and instead they end up being faithless and visionless. See, having faith for a circumstance that you're faced with is not not denying the problem before you. Joshua and Caleb both reported that they were giants as well. They acknowledged that there was something there for them, but it was their response to the challenge that mattered. Faith sees the problem and can even acknowledge the size of the issue but makes the comparison up to God, not down to us. Are you with me? Faith makes the comparison up to God, not down to us. Verse 9 again, it says there, right at the end, they had no protection, they said, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Joshua's good opinion of God was far bigger than his present reality. Faced with impossibility, Joshua and Caleb compared the problem to God, not to themselves. I wonder, too, how often we potentially disqualify, our, we disqualify ourselves from what God has for us. Ultimately, these spies never saw the promised land. They never experienced this promise. They had decided to believe how big, how powerful, how effective and final their enemy was. Can we go just a little bit further? I've got a couple of minutes. Can I go even further? Their negative opinion of themselves was so powerful they were even able to tell other people, tell what other people were thinking, like we just saw. Magic powers. There's no record of spies interacting with the giants. They would have been terrible spies if they were interacting with the giants, asking them their opinion and discussing how small an insect they should compare themselves with against them. No, it never happened. How many times do we let our negative opinion of circumstances fill in the blanks around us? We all of a sudden become experts on how other people think and how other people acting and what they're really doing. Yeah. we become professional mind readers making judgments and basing our opinions on things that never happened. You probably have never thought this, but I wonder if you've ever heard this before. If you have, just look straight ahead. He clearly meant to ignore me when I saw him at the shops earlier. He's definitely avoiding me because he has a guilty conscience about something. Have you ever heard that kind of comment before? He's absolutely avoiding me because he's definitely got a guilty conscience. Or something like that. What about this one? She's decided to exclude me because I don't dress or speak in the right way. She's making a secret point that I'm less than her. I know that's what she's thinking about me. It's getting quiet in here. What about a church setting? That church is so materialistic. I've heard they recently spent way too much money on new stuff. They're never thinking of the real needs around them, I'm sure of it. Maybe we'll get a bit tightened here now, or <laughs> clenching up here. My pastor once talked about being planted at church one Sunday, two years ago on the 4th of May. He must be so desperate for me to do things for him. I'm not getting used to make him look good. He's got an ulterior motive. I just know it. You've never said any of this. I know none of you have ever thought this, but maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've filled, Maybe heard other people filling in the blanks. Or what about putting words in God's mouth? Filling in the blanks about him because we feel distant or abandoned. I'm going through this pain again because I deserve it. God is ignoring my prayers. He mustn't care. I need a solution, but all I get is problem. God must be indifferent and distant. A bit real this morning, maybe. I don't know. I know you've never been guilty, but how, can you hear how unchecked negative opinion starts to undermine and sow bitterness? Verse 31 says this, But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report around the, around the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there. Can you hear it? They spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. This negative, opinion held, uh, this negative opinion held by a few spread to an entire nation. They were convinced that anyone who goes there will be devoured. Now everyone is a grasshopper. They have projected their own insecurity onto an entire nation. All from a negative opinion of themselves and the God that they served. The big question becomes then, what negative opinions do we hold about ourselves and our situations and circumstances, maybe other people, maybe the church, or even ourselves that are sat in influence and authority in our lives? How many of these opinions are elevated way above their rightful place to a throne of power, falsely enthroned patterns of opinion that sway our attitudes and pollute our thinking? And how many of these negative opinions have we idolized and held high in place of the truth of his word? Idols we have carved and formed from the gold of our own past experience, like the Israelites at the foot of Sinai. Idols built to celebrate our disappointments and perceived abandonments. What dynasties of damaged perception need toppling as we head into all that God has for us? The good news is these enemies and these empires will always fall in surrender to him. No amount of self inspection or self-improvement or self-motivation or self-work will ever deliver us. The only authority big enough to bring them to submission is the authority of Jesus and his word. So bring him your opinions. Test them. Bring your attitudes. Test them. Bring your perspectives. Test them. Surrendering them to his will and his purpose. Testing them in the light of his word. Surrendering our will to his. Can I get the team back up? That'd be great. Here's picture number five, last two pictures. We made it to the top. You have also now made it to the top. Pretty amazing view, it honestly is an incredible view. What a view, it's bright, it's expansive. Vision for miles. The relief and the excitement is overwhelming, we're just so excited. It's the highest I've literally ever been, says Flynn. At this point, it genuinely was the highest Flynn had ever gotten to. I never knew it could be like this. I can see so much further than I could before. Are you listening? Everything seems so small from up here. I can't (laughs) believe I said I couldn't do this. Thank you for bringing me. We did it. Gets out the binoculars, checks landmarks, we have food, we eat the last of our muesli bars, we rub our feet. We eat bananas, we run around for a while. I am distinctively more out of breath than Flynn at this point. But we made it, we did it, we got to the top. Here's number six, the last picture. There we are. Proof that we did it, it wasn't just a photo from the internet. We were really there. <laughs> and then we spent some time at the top, we make our way down the mountain. The descent is always quicker. We know the way home. We recognize the parts that were hard before, but we have home in mind. We encourage others on our trip down, the ones that are on their way up. We stop them and we say, it's so worth it. The view is incredible. You can see for miles how much further is it. Not far now. Flynn even says, If I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm only 10 and I got to the top. You can do it too. He says things like this. I can't wait to tell my brothers about what I did. Wait till they hear about the view. They'll all want to come next time. Are there any other mountains we can climb? Are there any other mountains we can climb? Is there any other mountains I can get to the top of? Is there any other challenge that I saw was impossible, but maybe I can prove that I can get to the top? Are there any other mountains, Dad? Can you take me on another hike? I wanna get higher again. I wanna see a view one more time. Surely this isn't the only mountain. Take me again. I wanna prove that I can get to the top of another mountain. Yeah. I think this story of this climb is a story something most of us will find common in, something in common with. Some of us are riding a high point this morning. We've climbed our way to the top. We're loving the view. Look at this place. It's amazing. Others are halfway up the impossible, waiting for encouragement from someone who's been to the top. Just waiting for someone to say, you can do it. I was there. I've seen the view. Come on, are you listening? Maybe someone's just waiting for that encouragement. Some of us are stood in the car park at the bottom, ready to go, and wondering if it's even possible. This thing got bigger and bigger the closer I got to it. I don't know whether I can do this. Are you stuck parked at the car park? Maybe others just stare from a distance and wonder who would be crazy enough to even attempt it. The challenge and encouragement this morning, though, is how do you see what's in front of you? How do you perceive what's ahead? The facts may still be the same. Yes, there's giants in the land. The impossible is still out there. There's a whole lot of battles to go through, but the way we see it needs to change. We go from wondering and doubtful and fearful to trusting and confident and full of hope, looking giants in the eye and declaring that it is possible, that we can take this land given to us, that we're able to do it because of who he is, that we can declare like Joshua and Caleb that the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day and until next time, bless you.